Um, you can turn there if you'd like to. The scriptures will be on the wall as well. You know, the Bible often provides a list for us. I remember when I was taking some sales training, there was a guy that said, you know, everything in life seems to be just a matter of, of just a few things. And this happens to be one of those lists. Matter of fact, this chapter, as you studied last week when we weren't even here, about things to take off. And uh, today we're going to talk about the opposite of that. It was about putting to death the old nature, that the new life had come in Christ by faith. We're told to put on today or clothe ourselves in our new life qualities that God wants us to have. And you know, this passage today really lends itself to the Lord's Prayer in that particular phrase where it says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And isn't that on the heart of God that his will be done? His will be done in my life. His will be done in your life, in your home, in our church together. And to shift to do what you know we should do since we have been raised to new life in Christ. We can talk about it and we know that it's not easy. And I know Pastor Kim, I listened to the message. It was a wonderful message. Pastor Kim brought that out so well last week. And what would our neighborhood be like with the qualities that we'll talk about today? And so let's read the passage. Colossians 3, verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Reading from the New Living Translation. So what will make any day more beautiful? Well, I don't want us to miss that opening phrase in verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. And, I, um, and what an honor to be chosen by the Lord. You know, we don't seek him. He seeks us, each one of us. I mean, we've had our journey, but it was the Lord that called us. And hopefully we answered, and hopefully nobody under the sound of my voice has never not accepted Christ as their personal Savior because that's the very first thing that he wants to do for us. Without that, none of the, the rest of this will make sense to us. And then because we are his holy people and, you know, we're chosen by him, we're set apart, and we're special. There's a, there's a big theological word called sanctification. And when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we become sanctified. But it's kind of a two-part word because instantly, you know, for eternity, we're looked at as righteous 
and we, we are set apart and made pure and holy before the Lord Jesus Christ. But we all know that while we're still in this body and while we're still on this earth, there's a lot of work to be done. And so there's kind of what people call a progressive sanctification. And so that's part of this clothing of ourselves with, with character that's congruent, that fits with our, with our new self. Um, the old stuff that keeps popping up, I know that. Uh, it does for me too. But, you know, that stuff doesn't fit with the new life that we have in Christ. We feel out of sorts. We're, we're you know, it's just not right. We, we know that it's not right. And so it's got some difficulty in stripping it off and, um, and taking off the, uh, the old garments of, of those character qualities that are, not, that are not qualities. And these characteristics that we're going to talk about a little bit more, they're not passive. It's not like, wow, I have tender-hearted mercy. That's neat, you know. It's like these are important things. They're active words. They're, they, they mean something, and they mean something that we're to do with them in our, in our daily walk and our, our daily interaction with, with each other here, but not just here at church, but all week long at work and at home and school and, and um, other places that we find ourselves. They provide blessing to not only the giver, but also to the receiver. And they bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a win-win-win. It's a win for me, it's a win for you, and it's a win for the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothing ourselves with the character qualities of our new life in Christ and having them active and at work in our daily lives. So what are they? Let's kind of walk through them. I'll make the applications towards the end that you find in your in your sermon supplement, tender-hearted mercy. Um, there's, a, there's a King James verse um, that I like in Psalms 25, 6, and it says, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. And notice it's not just a singular kind, um, loving kindness, it's kindnesses. In fact, my spell checker went crazy. They didn't like this this. this this King James word. But there's a bunch of them, in other words. Um, and you know what, folks? We have each been given grace and mercy. And, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed this description of grace and mercy, and I'll, and I'll give it to you <clears throat> now. Grace is something given to us that we don't deserve, like salvation. And mercy is God not giving us something that we do deserve, like hell, okay? I mean, if, if we got what we deserve, that's what it would be, spending eternity apart from Christ in a place of torment. And without grace and mercy, you and I are indeed sunk. And then the next word is kindness. Now, the NIV translate that Greek word from, you know, that we get here from kindness, we get compassion. And it's kind of like benevolence in action. You know, when we have our um, Lord's Supper, the first of the month, we always take a benevolent offering, and it's to, to help needs in our body. And we also, we did our mission trip last summer, and we're going to do another one in June. And, and those are kind of benevolence things, because 
we find people that need our help. We want to love them to Jesus, and so we provide what we can in terms of work and, and supplies and, and, and that kind of thing. Sometimes it takes a bag of groceries to get someone to listen to us, to what we have to say about Christ. And so um, <clears throat> kindness is like benevolence in action. And it's at the same time, it's the both giving of grace and mercy when and where it's needed. The next word is humility. And, you know, this is the simplest way that I can sum up humility is, is, is it is you and I, it's us, recognizing who we are before God. You know, recognizing who he is and how teeny tiny I am, you know. We're broken people. And you know what? Yet he provides us with this new life and offers the qualities that mark us. I mean, they put a brand on us that we belong to him and they make us his hands and feet to other people he wants to reformat us and to use us the old Bob he wants the Bob 2.0 kind of thing gentleness 1 Thessalonians 2 7 it says Paul's talking here and he says but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children in the English Standard Version. Pretty clear picture of the gentleness that we need to exhibit, a mother's love and nursing and care for her baby. And it's always fun. We were in a restaurant last Saturday morning and saw just, I mean, just a little tiny thing in this huge carrier with the thing that zips over and you can't, you can only see the baby's head and everything. But, you know, it was just, it's fun to see that picture, and it reminds us, of course, who our parents, what we went through decades ago, maybe, you know? Good picture. People matter to God, and they need to matter to us, too. Patience. You know, and this one is kind of a, the one of my commentaries sort of gave me a little different view of what I thought about this. I thought about you know, endurance and, and waiting for things, which are just so tremendously hard for me. So that's what I think of patience. But it's also got an aspect there that um, in relationship that it's kind of like what kind of a response do we give when we're provoked, when we're irritated, when someone says something to us that we weren't expecting and, and we'd sort of like to maybe lash out um, at them. And, you know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves this. Do we want to be right? Because sometimes we're in the right. We know we are, and they're in the wrong. But would, would we like to have a relationship with that person sometimes? And so it takes patience. In Proverbs 15, 1, it's a wonderful verse. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Um, seen this in, in church life in my denominational time um, things escalate um, there's about five different stages of conflict and we're kind of always in if we're in a relationship with anybody a wife or uh, a, a girlfriend or boyfriend or, or just a f two friends uh, or two people we've always got some different perspectives that we come from and so we're always in that kind of um, stage one but 
soon it doesn't become about the conflict, it becomes about the personalities, and it's, it's this harsh words making tempers flare. Basically, we know that we need to put up with people, trials, and difficult situations that come our way, and that takes patience. Then love. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love bonds everything together. Love sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so love sent Jesus to the cross. It's the foundation for everything that we have in Christ alone, love. So after we have fully clothed ourselves, we're prepared to follow the instructions beginning in verse 13 of our passage. And again, in this, in this um, New Living Translation, it says, make allowance for the faults of others. And you know, notice it doesn't say, if this should happen make allowance it's kind of like it's gonna happen so be prepared to make allowance for the faults of others and forgive anyone who offends us um, we are going to find that everyone is not always on the same page with us you know we in in church um, um, in my time of, of consulting and coaching churches we always like to say that we need a single unified vision in church and I am so thankful that we have worked hard and we basically have this in our church. But I have seen a lot of churches where they have about 100 people. They got about 100 visions of what the church should be like, you know. And it's just natural. We all have a perspective on things. And so we need to make allowance for, for faults and for others uh, um, and for anyone who offends us. We need to forgive them. And this is so, you know, in, this so fits so well with this clothing of the new life in Christ. You and I, we have been so forgiven by the Lord for so much, and yet sometimes it's hard for us to forgive someone something pretty minor, really. Um, Matthew 18 is a wonderful chapter on, on for many things, but one of the things is a conversation that Peter has about forgiveness with Jesus. He asked Jesus in verse 21, Peter came to him and he said, Lord, <clears throat> how often, excuse me, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Peter said, seven times? And you know, we kind of, we read these passages and sometimes it takes a little bit of, of background and light. And I didn't really know this until recently, but Peter thought he was being pretty generous here. Seven times, that sounded like a lot to him because the Pharisees, they had said three times. That's, what you, that's how many times you need to forgive someone. So Peter was like over doubling that, right? And we all, maybe you know what Jesus, Jesus said. Jesus said, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. And really what he was saying was, is as, as many times as it takes. You know, the last time I checked and read 1 John uh, 1, 9, it says, you know, we confess our sins he's faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness 
There's no, there's no limit there. It doesn't say, okay, you got 5,000 times to do this, and then you're, you're done. I mean, there's no limit there. And so this is what Christ is saying to Peter and saying to us as well. We need to forgive. And it's easy to judge um, others. You know, I find, you know, it, it, you know, we say, we make these statements, say, why isn't this person more forgiving themselves? Why aren't they easier to work with? more loving why haven't they clothed themselves like i've clothed myself why aren't they more understanding you can fill in the blank of why aren't they and i find i don't know maybe you're not this way but i find myself judging often my intentions which are always spot on by the way my intentions are they are really really good okay and then i judge other people by their actions well that, you know, that can't work. We can't do that and be living out the qualities of this new life in Christ. It's just not in line with how much you and I have been forgiven. So then a few verses later in Matthew 18, there's a story of a king. And the king decided to clear out all his, his um, accounts. And he had a lot of people that owed him money. He had, he had lent money out um, freely, apparently. And so there was this one fellow, and he owed the king a tremendous amount. I mean, maybe, you know, something equivalent to a million dollars in, in, in their time period. And so he wasn't going to be able to pay it, and the only answer for that would have been to throw him and his family in prison until the debt was made right. And the guy said, be patient with me, I'll pay it. And It's rendered different ways in different translations. And so the king was benevolent, and he said, to tell you what, he says, I'm just going to wipe your debt out. It's finished. You don't owe me a penny. And I'm sure the guy went, right? <clears throat> he walks out of the courtroom, and apparently he sees one of his buddies who owes him a few hundred dollars. And, I mean, he demanded that he get paid. And the guy says, I'll be patient with me. I'll pay. You know, same story. And did he, we would hope that he would say, well, I was just forgiven a whole bunch. I'll forgive you. He didn't do that. He said, pay what you owe me, or you're going to, you're going to jail. Well, the king got wind of this, so the king called him back into court, said, you owe all of the money, and uh, put him into the same spot that he had just recently been forgiven of. Well, what's the, what's the, the lesson for me and you? It is that we have been forgiven so much. We were on our way to spending eternity separated from God, and but because he loved us, because of his great love, he canceled out all of our debt. And so we need to cancel out debt from other people. We must forgive each other. So when we have, as Paul said, put to death our old fleshly nature, and I so much appreciated Pastor Kim's message. I can't recall everything that he said, but he was saying that this was not behavior modification. This was all based on a relationship with Christ. Christ didn't come to make us better people. He came to make us different people. And that process is a lifelong process. He came to claim us as his very own people. He came to share a personal, enduring, ongoing, for the rest of our life, relationship with him that cannot be broken. When we clothe ourselves 
after having taken off our fleshly clothes of the old nature, you know, the atmosphere of our lives, our churches, our homes, our schools, our workplaces can all change and will change. When the peace of Christ rules our heart, we exhibit qualities that can only come with our sharing in. You know, Peter talks about that divine nature in, in 2 Peter 1, talks about sharing in those great and precious promises. It almost reminds me a lot of this passage, and that happens with Christ, sharing together his divine nature. Well, here they are again, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. And you know, the old nature cannot produce these things. They only come from God himself. And Pastor Kim talked about how that our flesh will demand that we stay in those old things, that we bring them back. Our flesh will always demand the wrong action. The flesh will always want us to use the wrong response, the wrong word, or the wrong thought. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians um, 10.5 that we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, which is very difficult because thoughts come fast and sometimes before we can even grab them, they've taken, taken up residence in our, in our minds. And that's why we need to have God's word close to us and in our hearts. But Pastor Kim also said something that really stuck with me too. He said, you know what? We can choose not to believe what we believe. And we can choose not to do what we do. And guess what? It's not easy. But when we are cl in close relationship with Christ, it's possible. It's possible for us. That's why when, as a community of believers, we are engaged with his word, engaged with each other in prayer, connected with God's people, we have a bond that makes the divine possible. And remember Pastor Kim a couple of other weeks ago in another message, he said, faith does not make things easy, faith makes things possible. I put that in my prayer list. I'm going to keep that for a long time. That really resonated with me. Faith doesn't make things easy. It makes things possible. So, as hard as it is to unclothe ourselves from our fleshly habits and attitudes, Cindy and I just made a trip out to Nebraska, and we listened to the Chronicles of Narnia. And if you like that um, um, series, um, there's, a, there's one about the Don Treader, and there's a young man that becomes a dragon. And at first he thinks that's pretty cool. I'm a dragon. I'm bigger than everybody now. I can beat him up. And then he goes, oh, yeah, I'm a dragon. <laughs> Nobody's going to want to hang out with me. You know? So he has all these thoughts. And so then there's this scene with him and Aslan where he begins to, to shed this skin. And it becomes very difficult to get rid of it. And so it's a picture of the Holy Spirit trying to get rid of these old things, you know, from the early part of chapter 3. It's not easy. It takes us working as hard as we can sometimes, and it definitely takes the work and movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he will not force us to do it. We always have a choice between good 
and evil, between life and death. So here's three areas that are impacted by us putting on or clothing ourselves. And these are your notes in the bulletin. First of all, it's the you and I. We are clothed or we are to clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Kindness, benevolence in action, humility. Humility, it's our lowly attitude toward God, realizing we're broken before him. Gentleness, then patience, which is self-control, and self-control is hard for us sometimes, isn't it? And then the last thing which binds everything together is love. It's the, it's the perfect bond that holds everything together in perfect unity. And you know, it's a strategy for living for God day by day. It's the Christian life that's a daily battle. I remember, I, I remember that statement from a good friend of mine who's a pastor. Uh, we went to Bible college together, and I remember one day, you know, you know sometimes we talk about our week. Boy, it was really a difficult week. We, we hear that a lot. And he said, you know, the Christian life is just a daily slugging it out. And I've never forgotten that. Me, I kind of like to run real hard and then coast for a little while. It just The Christian life just doesn't work that way. So number two is others. You know, it's, it's natural for us when we're in this, this growth period and we're trying to put on these things, you know, what about my other brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we think about um, other people. Peter was this way. Remember, he, you know, the Lord was saying, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, you know, in John 21. And <clears throat> Peter was like, well, what about, what, about, uh, what about young John over here? And Jesus said, hey, you know, don't worry about John. If I want him to stand here until I come back the second time, that's okay. Here's what I want you to do, Peter. Feed my sheep. Well, what is our, our response to others? First of all, we put up with each other's faults. We just put up with it. We make allowance for it. We love them anyway. And we must forgive anyone who offends us. We imitate Christ's forgiving attitude. And we let love guide our lives. It is what bonds us to each other. And then third is the us. And that's the others and the you and I that are putting on this. It's we are the one body of Christ. And there's just two things that I think are a result of all of this. First of all, living in peace. We let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. That word rule has an athletic aspect, like an umpire. And it's like my heart can deceive me. In fact, the Bible talks about the heart can be very deceitful. I can be moved in ways that I shouldn't be moved by my heart. My heart comes basically with my flesh. Without this new clothing, it can go, it can run amok sometimes. So it's like a referee for the heart, that ruling of peace. Let Christ rule our hearts. And then we also need God's word in us at all times. And so then the very last thing he says is living thankful. We need to be thankful. And I put a quote there. I thought that was a really good quote because I, it just 
it just spoke to me. Thanksgiving is possible not because everything goes perfectly, but because God is present. Whether it's going great and say, Lord, thank you for this good stuff that I'm getting here today, or you go, oh, Lord, I'm so glad you're here because this is bad. This is not good. This is not fun. Because God is present. The Spirit of God within us and, and look at this last statement, nearer to us than our own breath. Boy, that's pretty close, isn't it? We bear the image of Jesus in our lives every day. It's like a big sign that says, I am the image bearer of Christ. And these are the things that help us bear that image. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your enduring presence in our lives. Father, thank you that for all the difficulties of taking things off that need to come off and putting things on that need to come on to us, that, Lord, you are there throughout all of that. Father, I just pray that these words of, of Colossians 3 would penetrate our minds and our hearts, that, Lord, we could be different people, not just better people. That we could be closer to you, Father, and closer to one another. That we could live in peace and live in thanksgiving. Father, we just thank you for, your, for this day, for the fact that we're all here together. Father, we just love you and we thank you for your love for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen.